0: Welcome to Meadowbrook Church, loving Jesus by loving people. For more information about who we are, find us online at www.meadowbrook.ca.
1: Hi, uh, my name's Rob. I'm one of the elders here at the church. Um, I feel like this announcement is already going better than in the first service when I forgot to put my shoes on after playing drums and probably lost any credibility I may have had. So I got my shoes on, we're ready to go. Um, So on behalf of the elders, we'd love for you to join us at our annual general meeting that's coming up on Monday, February 10th. Uh, This meeting is always a great time of looking back on our past year as a church, as well as a time of looking ahead at what God may have for us in 2020 and beyond. Um, As we discussed at the last meeting uh, that we had as a congregation in September, The board and the ministry management team have taken the past few months to think and pray about our staffing needs and potential solutions. We've also been looking at our current governance model, including our bylaws and guiding principles. And at that time, we told you that we would have another roundtable night to share with you our thoughts and get your feedback on changes that we may be making. However, as a leadership team, we have not discerned the need for major changes to our model, and so we have decided to just share our thoughts with you at the AGM. For now, however, we are happy to announce that we will be holding an affirmation vote at that time to make Pastor Chris our lead pastor. Uh, Pastor Chris has been serving as our interim lead pastor since August, and he has been doing a fabulous job. We as a board believe that he is the man God has to lead Meadowbrook long-term. We'd like for you to join us in praying into this decision, and we look forward to discussing this more on Monday, Monday, February 10th. If you have any questions before that, please come and talk to me or another board member. Thank you. Thanks, Rob, and thanks worship team. Uh, If you have
0: your Bibles, you can meet me in Mark chapter 12. And I do just wanna share for a couple of minutes just out of that announcement, uh, my heart and just some of the journey we've kind of been on in the leadership uh, this fall as we've been praying through things and processing things. And um, as we, uh, I felt it was important to do that because I know I've said from the pulpit on multiple occasions that I came to Meadowbrook Church specifically to not be a lead pastor. And so we thought, it probably bears a little explaining as to how we <laughs> found ourselves here as we head into a new year and a new season of the church. And so uh, as I come into 2020, I, this summer will be 19 years that I've been in ministry. And that was when I joined my first church and I started Bible college and I started going. Uh, I'm going to be 40 uh, this year, which, uh, no, Chris, you look so young. Oh, thanks, guys. I appreciate it. <laughs> And so you find yourselves a little reflective uh, at that season of life. I actually don't care really at all that I'm turning 40, but you do just kind of think about where you're at and who you are and where you're going and that kind of thing. And so uh, of those 19 years in ministry, I've been a lead pastor for nine of them. And one of those was a year here uh, in our last transition. And then uh, the rest were in a previous denomination before I joined Meadowbrook. And that was at a couple of different churches, and uh, that particular stream of the church just did lead pastor in a way that I really struggled with, where it was kind of all about the one person, Uh, that one person was very much on a pedestal, I was never really comfortable with that, that one person was responsible for like everything, like literally everything. And so there was a lot of kind of credit that went to the lead pastor if things went well. Uh, There's a ton of blame that went on the lead pastor if a church was was not growing or was going through stuff. And when I would try to kind of do things as a team, because when I read the Bible and I read the book of Acts, I go, oh, they discern things as a team and they figure things out as a team and they made decisions as a team. It was never about just one person. Uh, In that denomination, I was just told, well, you're the lead, we trust you, kind of do what you want and we'll follow you. And it just never really felt right to me. I was never really comfortable with that. So when I was leaving to come to Meadowbrook, uh, there was an opportunity here to be the teaching pastor, which is you'll do the teaching, at that time you'll do pastoral care, And i went well that's good because actually that's the stuff that uh, i love doing most when you're a lead pastor in that other stream you are the teacher you are the prophet you are the evangelist you are the pastor you are the apostle you are the main administrator who's running the church you're the head of the missions board you're the head of the finance team you're the in charge of all the money like there was so much put on that i was really excited to get away from when i came here i'm trying to do the shorter because i went pretty long in the first service Uh, So the first service got more information, you guys are gonna get it short and sweet. So I was excited to move into the teaching role because I was like, oh, the teaching's the part I love the most, I love the spiritual life of a church, I love investing in people. Uh, I don't really love running a church. Running a church administratively is a lot of work and it pulls me away from teaching. And so when I got here, it was great because I could focus on teaching and and caring for people and Pastor Greg ran the church and and it was awesome. And then Pastor Greg moved on, Pastor Mesh came in, uh, The dynamic was similar of he ran the church and administrated a lot of it. I could focus on teaching. Um, And there's challenges that come with that as well. It's an an unusual way to do church. And as we've uh, talked to our denomination, as we've had a church consultant come in in the spring, we had another uh, type of consultant come in in the fall. And they all just basically said it's really hard to do the lead pastor, teaching pastor thing. And, and we'll talk a bit more about this at the AGM, but it's a, just a bit of a tricky dynamic to work out. And so, as we were praying through it the fall, you know, do we bring in another lead pastor? Uh, as the staff was praying through it, we all just felt like the idea of bringing kind of a stranger in and having them not know us and us not know them and, and taking time to, to figure each other out and going through all that, it just it just didn't sit right. It just sounded like such a struggle. And so we said, well, maybe around the table we have now, we can structure things in a way that will make sense. And so the board had asked me to consider whether I would consider staying on permanently as the lead pastor. And I was a bit wary of it at the beginning. One of you asked at the info night in September, and I was a little cagey in my answer. I was just a bit hesitant. And so part of it was, uh, sometimes when people want to be the lead pastor, it's because they're looking for title or prestige or power, and, uh, and I just wanted to search my soul just to make sure none of that was going on. That was part of it, uh, and I feel at peace about that but we also just wanted to figure out is there a way that this can make sense where my emphasis can still primarily be teaching and and building into people and I can have some help in other ways for the things that I'm not as good at and so uh, it took me a while to get there my wife was there quite quickly uh, and as usual I catch up at my own pace and then find my way to whatever she has landed on but uh, one of my mentors uh, Terry Bone who many of you have met was here visiting with us this fall and uh, and just processing stuff with him He just asked lots of good questions and and he's he's always, he's on my side like a good spiritual father is and he wants what's best for me, but he asked a lot of questions and uh, I answered them and as he came to the end, he just said, so Chris, what I'm hearing is, this is just what I'm hearing you saying from all your answers. He says, you love this church, you love the people, You love Leamington. You love your home. You love your kids' school. You love Essex County. You have vision for the church. You have a heart for the people. The church is willing to move forward. It's a church that's not just stuck. It's a church that's moving and wants to go deeper and wants to grow. Uh, And so he's listing all these things, and he says, so what more do you want from Jesus in your life? And this fall, as I said, we'll have been here. This summer, we'll have been here six years at Meadowbrook Church, which is mind blowing, it just goes by, 40 years goes by fast, six years in one place goes by fast. But as we reflect on the six years, just being honest, they have not all been easy years. Some of the years have been tricky and there's been years of transition and there's been some years of struggle. Uh, They have not been always easy years. And yet at the end of these five going on six years, I still like you guys a lot. And you still like me, I think. And I say that in that jokey way to say that, of course, I I love you, I love you, Meadowbrook Church. I love it here. And as we have been processing it, uh, that's been part of Sarah's and my conversation of, well, yeah, like where else would we go that we love as much as this and where I love teaching at as much as I love teaching at Meadowbrook and where we do have a heart and we do have a vision for what God wants to do next and uh, and are excited about it. And as we've been talking about it as a staff, we're excited about it. And so we are still down a staff member. We have We lost a lead pastor this summer and so we are feeling the weight of that. So we do need to make another hire. We'll go into more detail at the AGM. At the first service I said I'm not going to tell you anything because you just have to come to the AGM now if you want to hear. But I'll tell you little bit Uh, so we are looking to hire a full-time administrative role that will do the bulk of the running of the church the stuff that i don't love doing and the stuff that takes me away from teaching and then we are going to shift around sarah's role and we're going to shift around susan's role Uh, where Sarah's doing a lot of admin right now, and we just want to set Sarah free to take care of our kids and to care for people, because Sarah's one of the best people persons that you will ever meet. Uh, So she's gonna take on a lot more of the pastoral care side of things. And then Susan, if you know Susan, she is a woman of the Holy Spirit who runs hard after God. And so we're gonna release her to be much more involved in the spiritual life of the church and overseeing life groups and prayer, uh, Holy Spirit stuff, inner healing, and that kind of thing. And so um, we are excited for those two women to, to get into their areas of gifting and passion more. And, as we have been talking about all of it as a staff, you know, there was one day where where we were sitting and talking about it. And I just said, "Like, what do you guys actually think? Because i I again, I've searched my soul. I don't need to be the lead pastor. Uh, if you guys aren't comfortable with this, we'll we'll keep going." and we'll figure something else out, and I'm okay with that. Like I, again, for the last number of years, most of the time I've been in a supporting role. I'm okay with that. I don't need to be that person. And as we talked about it together and prayed about it and with the board as well, um, we as a staff just said, you know, the interesting thing about it this fall is I've been the interim lead just because someone had to do it. Um, but it has just felt really natural. It has just felt really good. And the chemistry amongst the staff right now is incredible. With the board is amazing. Uh, There's all sorts of good stuff going on behind the scenes at the leadership level. And so we really feel like God is with us as we move forward into this. And so we are excited, and we are talking with the board. We haven't set any sort of time or anything on it. But just so you know, uh, we are talking about it in terms of what would a long-term commitment look like us to you and you to us as Meadowbrook Church, where we've gone through lots of transition in the last few years. We want some stability for everybody. Um, We love it here and are happy here. So what would it look like to say, well, let's stick together for years. Let's stick together for a good long while. Let's really let this grow. And let's really take time to journey and grow and mature and walk with Jesus together. So uh, if you have any questions you want to talk about it, we do want to hear from you. If it's weird to talk to me about it, then as Rob said, please talk to Rob or one of the other board members. Uh, We will be voting on this in a few weeks at the AGM. But uh, we just wanted to bring you up to speed on all of that. So as we get into the Word today, uh, I do want to take this time just to share some of my heart, Uh, some of where I'm at in my journey with Jesus, and a bit of a challenge for you, and an invitation, just to say, this is where we can go together as we continually seek to walk with Jesus and to journey with him. So we're in Mark chapter 12, and as I was getting ready this week, I was thinking about the Pilgrims, which is a Thanksgiving message normally. So the Pilgrims were some of the first European settlers to come to the New World, and so they were living in England, and they were very devout Christians, they loved their scripture, and they were spending time in their Bible all the time, And in England at that time, there's basically one church. There is the Church of England. There is the Anglican Church. And it is a state church, which means the government and the church are kind of one and the same. And the the church deals with spiritual things, but they have a, a great amount of power and influence. And the government and the church consult each other, and they do a lot of things together. And as much as we talk about the idea of that being a good thing, in church history, it's almost always been a bad thing. It's almost always been a bad thing when the church gets mixed up with the power of the world. In theory, the church should influence the power of the world to be better, but what inevitably seems to happen is the power of the world starts to corrupt the church, and the church starts to get all wrapped up in money and politics and all of these things that have very little to do with Jesus. And so a lot of that is going on in England in this time. It's in the 1600s, and there is a group of Christians that are reading their Bibles and they're saying, you know, there's a lot of what's happening right now with the church and power and all these things that we don't see in scripture. And they were a lot like the Anabaptists in that way. And so they start to break off and have their own little house churches. They call themselves the separatists at the time because they were separating from the Church of England. Now, because the Church of England is all wrapped up with the government at that time, that's not allowed. Legally, you have to go to the Church of England. And if you don't, you can get into trouble. And so these guys get into all sorts of trouble. They are arrested. They are put on trial. They are fined. They are thrown in prison because you are not allowed to start your own church. You are not allowed to go to any church other than the Church of England. And so they go to Holland for a while, just trying to find some freedom. They are there, but the persecution follows them. And then they say, hey, there's a, a pretty wide open continent on the other side of the world where nobody can tell us what to do. And there are no state churches, and we can go and we can worship the way that we want. So in the name of freedom, they come traveling across the world. And in the name of freedom, they uh, are seeking to set up a new colony where they can worship however they like. For the Americans, freedom's kind of big, eh? Did you notice that? They talk freedom all the time. Uh, And it's always, it's, it's just built into their roots. Like it's from the very beginning. If Canadians had a motto, it would be, oh, sorry. But if Americans had a motto, it would be, don't tell me what to do. And so they come in this spirit of freedom to come and establish this place and as they are heading out they're heading out at a time of year where they have timed it that they really want to land in Virginia. That's what they're shooting for. They are coming across the ocean, and if it follows in the straight line like it is on this picture, the way it's supposed to land is you are gonna land in Virginia. For one reason, there was already a colony there, and so there were some other Europeans there that they could connect with and who could help get them established. But the other big reason was that uh, if you're gonna time it so that you're hitting a brand new world uh, as you're heading into winter, would you rather have a winter in Canada or in the southern states? So they're aiming for Virginia because that's going to be the best possible place weather-wise for them to to grow. And then because the people who were taking them over just weren't great sailors, they weren't great pilots, uh, they weren't marking things properly, and they went wildly off course. And so instead of ending up in the sunny warm south like they were intending they ended up in a cold frigid new England north as winter was approaching and so when they have their big thanksgiving dinner that we celebrate where they got together with the first nations people and celebrated surviving through the winter that's because they all almost died during the winter they weren't supposed to be there for the winter they were supposed to be doing what our snowbirds do where they go down to florida and sit by the 80 degree pool while we freeze up here and so they got wildly off track, and I don't know what they would have thought when they first got off that boat, <laughs> and thought, we're supposed to be in you know, 80 degrees right now, and instead we're freezing in the, in the north. But they managed to survive, and they managed to establish a colony, and they, of course, managed to, to prosper and thrive, and eventually spread and began to took over, all in the attitude of, don't tell me what to do, we're Americans. And so they got wildly off course, Because although they sort of had a rough idea of where they were going, they weren't really specific in where they were going, and they weren't being careful about where they were going. They weren't being meticulous and intentional with the way they were going, and because they weren't doing that, because they had not planned well, they went wildly off track and and almost paid a very dear price for that. And I say all that to say, as we start 2020, it's the first service of of the year. Uh, It's good to have everybody here, and I know we miss being in one service, but it's nice to have some elbow room, eh? We got a little more space as we sit here. Uh, As we start a new year, we don't know exactly what's going to happen this year. As I said earlier, every year is just a blank canvas. We don't know uh, ups and downs, good, bad, like we we just don't know. It's it's just wide open. We trust that God is good and He is with us and leading us through it. But on our end, for our job, our role is to have some sort of plan for the year. And I never used to get that big on New Year's resolutions or anything because I used to feel like, well, if you want to make a change, you just make a change, make it in October. You don't have to wait till January to make some plan to, to go to the gym more or read your Bible more, like just make the change. As I've gotten older, I've appreciated just this idea that there are milestones in life and every milestone we pass is an opportunity just to take stock. It's an opportunity to take a look. And so for a number of years, Sarah, my wife and I have every year around this time made up kind of a plan for the year. And we set some goals, we set some targets for the year. Here are some targets that we wanna work on in our marriage, in our finances, in our parenting, in our walk with Jesus, in our our household chores or whatever it is. But we just set some very specific targets because if we don't have a plan to change, things don't tend to change, right? If we just keep doing the same thing we're always doing, then we're gonna be sitting here in 2021 and we're gonna be in the exact same place. And if we want things to change, we actually have to take an intentional step. We actually have to make some effort towards that change, otherwise things just don't change. And so we as a staff have put together a ministry plan for 2020, we're gonna share that part with you at the AGM. But we just took the fall to pray into that and say, what do we want to do at Meadowbrook in 2020? Where do we want our kids ministry to go? Where do we want our youth ministry to go? Where do we want our worship ministry to go? Where do we want our life groups to go? And and we looked at all different areas and what are things we need to work on? What are some goals that we need to hit? So we will share more specifics of that uh, as we get there. But as we were doing that, we started to look at our list of things that we wanted to work on this year and say, well, what do we see as as maybe a common theme? Is there a name we could put on this year? Is there just like an overarching theme that we're seeing uh, for all of these targets that we're trying to hit? And we did see a theme starting to emerge. Everything that we were looking at doing was all kind of along the ideas of maturing and going deeper and and going further and, and, and taking things to the next level. And so we ultimately decided to call it that, that at Meadowbrook Church 2020 is going to be a year of next levels. And in everything that we are doing, we are looking at how do we take this to the next level? How do we go further in our walk with Jesus? How do we go deeper in this ministry? How do we go to the next level? And that's going to be the challenge uh, that I give to you today, because we will talk again at the AGM about how we're doing that as a church. But today, the challenge is for you as an individual. In your walk with God, in your walk with others, uh, what is it going to take for you this year to go to the next level? What are some goals, some targets you can set so that you are in a different, place on the first Sunday of 2021 and not just doing the same thing and getting the same results over and over again. So let's take a look at our text today. We're in Mark chapter 12. Leading into this chapter, Jesus has been debating with religious leaders, as he often was. They were always trying to trap him and trip him up. And so Mark chapter 12, starting in verse 28, is coming out of that. One of the teachers of the law came and heard them debating. Noticing that Jesus had given them a good answer, he asked them, of all the commandments, which is the most important? The most important one, answered Jesus, is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. The second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. Well said, teacher, the man replied. You are right in saying that God is one and there is no other but him. To love him with all your heart, with all your understanding, and with all your strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself, is more important than all burnt offerings and sacrifices. When Jesus saw that he had answered wisely, he said to him, You are not far from the kingdom of God. And from then on, no one dared ask him any more questions. I love stories like that where Jesus just shuts them down. Just the, the wisdom is too good, and they can't figure out a way to trip him up or trap him anymore. So... That's a famous passage. It shows up in the Gospels in different ways, and and this idea of loving God and loving others being the most important thing, the most important commandment. Uh, It would say elsewhere in Scripture that the entire law, the whole Old Testament, the law and the prophets, can be summed up in those two commandments. And you can't blame the question for coming because in the Old Testament law, there are 613 different laws and commandments and statutes that involved moral laws and how the temple was supposed to be run and the right clothes you had to wear and and how Israel was going to run as a nation. There is all sorts of things, 613 laws. This person comes along in this passage and says, can you just like sum that up for us? Would you mind? 613 is a lot to get your head around. And so Jesus says, well, it's really, it's this. The whole law gets summed up here. Love God with everything you've got and love your neighbor as yourself. If you get that right, everything else falls into place. If you get that right, then you are fulfilling all of it because that's what it's all really about. It's all pointing towards that. And so I see this happening in this passage in three different ways, and I'm going to take a couple minutes to talk about each one of these ways today. Uh, That as we are looking at how do we grow, as we are looking at how we mature, as we are looking at how do we go deeper in our spiritual journey, as we look at how do we take things to the next level in 2020 as individuals, there are three movements that I see here, that we are to be growing upward, In our relationship with God, we are to be growing inward in becoming self-aware and growing in ourselves, and we are to be growing outward in looking towards our neighbor and loving others as ourselves. And so I want to unpack a little bit for each of them uh, as we go through this. So starting upward, we're talking about our relationship with him. We are to have a bond. We are to have a connection. We are to have a walk with him. We are not called to an abstract idea of God. We are not called just to an understanding from a book. We are called into a relationship with a living saviour. We are called to walk with Him, and to, to know Him, and to know His voice, and to respond to Him, and to be obedient to Him, and to, to have a sense of His presence. We are called to all of these things. So upward is the first one, our relationship with God. And God is not literally on a, cra- on a cloud. He's, he's everywhere, including inside of us. So upward is not a perfect picture, but for the sake of the metaphor, just calm down, everybody. We're just going to go with it. So upward, our bond with God. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength, with everything within you, love the Lord your God. And we do that with our worship, we do that with our devotion, we do that with our obedience, which we'll come back to. But there is to be a a strong walk, a strong journey, a strong connection with Him. Romans chapter 15 verse 13 says, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in Him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. And when it comes to blessings of God, That's a huge one. Like, that's the kind of thing that we Instagram and can kind of skip over really quick. But look at the words of this. This is the blessing of God. May the God of hope, first of all, how cool a name is that for him? The God of hope fill you with all joy. Do you need more joy in your life? Because all apparently is available. All joy and all peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Would you like more joy and or peace and or hope in your life? That's the promise of God's word that is available for you. It is available. The Holy Spirit wants to fill you. The Holy Spirit wants to draw near you. The Holy Spirit wants to refresh you, wants to restore you, wants to renew you. The promise actually isn't just that he would fill you, but that you would overflow that it would just be too overflowing within you. And so that is the blessing and the promise of God. The scripture says, Jesus teaches in John chapter four, that God gives the Holy Spirit without limit to anyone who wants it. Any limits of the Holy Spirit moving in our lives are entirely on us because God gives the Spirit without limit. His desire is to pour out the Spirit to the point of overflowing. Our job is to get ourselves into that flow. Because if we're not willing to take a step towards him, if we're not willing to make that effort to connect, then then we miss it, right? The most beautiful lamp in the world isn't worth anything if you don't plug it in our job is to plug in with him our job is to through the scripture through prayer through worship through other believers in lots of different ways the spiritual pathways which we're going to talk about again later these years the different ways that we find to connect with him our job is to connect we can't overflow if we're not doing it if we're not putting ourselves in the place if we are not connecting with his presence if we are not actively and intentionally seeking after him Jesus says in John chapter 15, verse 5, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. And that last part, that could be a sign on every room in every church. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Because it is so easy for us as churches and as individuals just to try and lean on ourselves, on what we already know, on where we've already been, on the things that we've learned along the way. It's easy to coast on our giftings. It's easy to coast on our experience. Jesus says, you produce nothing on your own. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Apart from me, you can do nothing. And if that is true, then connecting with him should be a top priority for us as individuals and as a church. That he is the source of everything good. He is the source of the change that lasts. He is the source of the fruit that is real. Rather than just us coasting on our own efforts, on our own strength, on our own experience, on our own wisdom, on any of those things, no. If you abide in him, if you connect with him, if you, if you intentionally seek him, then you bear much fruit. And without that, we can do nothing. And so to remember that priority in everything that we're doing. Jesus also said in John chapter 14, verse 15, if you love me, you obey my commandments. That love is not just a feeling. It's not just an emotion that we offer up in worship, although we do do that. It's not just a feeling of gratitude and a feeling of of the Father's love. It is those things too. But it always leads us to obedience because Jesus says, if you love me, you'll obey my commandments. If we're not growing in our obedience, uh, then we should rightly question where we're at with him. Because Jesus said, if you truly love me, it's not just about saying that you love me, it's about doing what I ask. It is about doing what I would like you to do. If I say I love my wife, and then just live entirely selfishly, you would be right to say, Chris, do you actually love your wife? Like you're saying the words, but you're not doing anything for her. You're not even thinking about her. You would rightly question whether that love was real. Jesus says, if you love me, you'll obey me. And that's not to say if you stumble in sin, it means you don't love him. But if you love him, it should be a driving force of your life to obey him more and to, to make him happy and to live in a way that is pleasing to him. Love always brings us to action. So in terms of our upward connection with God, what would it take for you in 2020 to go to the next level somewhere in there? And maybe it's as simple as, you know what, I need to get better at digging into the Word of God. I just need to get more consistent there. Or maybe I need to to take a new step in my prayer life. Or maybe I need to just get better at church attendance and making sure I'm I'm worshiping with other believers. Uh, I can't do that part for you. I can't decide what that is for you because you know where you're at and you know uh, what your walk with God looks like. And don't get overwhelmed. You know, for all of us, there might be 30 things we need to work on in our walk with God. But what we're asking for today is say, Lord, show us one. Show us one thing that I can specifically focus on in 2020 that I can, I can actually make an effort towards hitting that target. And when we set these goals, they should be stretching, but not debilitating. They should be stretching, but not overwhelming. If you're not reading your Bible much right now, don't jump to, 90 minutes a day, I'm going to read the Bible four times this year. If you're not reading your Bible much, maybe, okay, 15, 20 minutes a day. I'm gonna get a reading plan, I'm gonna to stick to it, maybe I'm gonna ask someone to keep me accountable on it, or maybe I'm gonna do it with another person and that's gonna help me stay on track. Or maybe, you know what, I just, I'm gonna pull aside 20 minutes a day for some quiet time just to do some prayer time with him, or I'm gonna engage with some worship music a little bit more and offer my worship more regularly, or I'm gonna make sure getting to church is a priority, or maybe I'm gonna join a life group and grow that way. Again, you need to figure out the answer to what that is. But the challenge is, in 2020, in your upward connection, your walk with God, What would it take to go to the next level in an area what target can you hit uh, that you can focus on so that we are in a different place in 2021 than we are today in 2020. so that is upward moving on to inward you'll love the lord your god with all your heart soul mind and strength heart soul mind and strength is is us it is everything that is us it is everything that is within us right our hearts and our minds our souls and our strength that is who we are so love god with everything that you are with everything inside you everything in your heart, everything in your mind, the problem becomes is that our hearts are not always good, right? Our minds are not always pure. We are broken. We are sinful. We are wounded. And that is universal. There is nobody who has avoided that. And we don't talk about this side of it as much because it's not as easy to talk about. But I sometimes wonder if we could just be honest more then maybe we'd all just be able to talk about it a lot easier. That we are wounded, we are sinful, we are all struggling in different ways. Sin has done a number on us. And as we have embraced sin, it has done damage to our hearts. It has done damage to our minds. It's done damage to our relationships. It's done damage to our world. It has, you know, we have all been wounded by the effects of sin, either our own sin or sins that others have committed against us. Like we're all carrying junk from life. It's it's just a fact. It is universal. And so that's part of the struggle. We're to love the Lord our God with everything within us, but not everything within us is awesome. Not everything within us is good. Jeremiah would say in uh, chapter 17 verse 9, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? And many other passages like that that talk about our our minds are corrupted, our our hearts are sinful, Uh, you know, we are hurting, we are broken, we are wounded. That is the universal human condition. So this is the sin problem. The sin problem is not everything in us is good. But where there is a sin problem, guess who comes along with the solution? It is Jesus, guys. That's, uh, <laughs> that's, the Sunday school answer was right in this particular case. Ezekiel 11:19, 19, talking about the new covenant. When Jesus comes, God says, I will give them an undivided heart and put a new spirit in them. I will remove from them their heart of stone and give them a heart of flesh. So where the heart was broken and wicked and evil, God comes along and says, well, we're just gonna have to replace that heart then. We're just gonna have to renew that mind then. We're just gonna have to take those things that are sinful and wicked and evil and broken, and we're just gonna have to transform them into a new creation. And that is the work in progress that all of us are in right now. We are all in this process of being transformed of being renewed back into what Jesus originally created us for before sin came along and corrupted everything. And so we have to be able to uh, be honest with ourselves and take a good look at ourselves and be able to acknowledge some of these things. We need to be able to acknowledge that we're sinful. Most people don't seem to have a problem doing that. But if I were to ask you right now, what three areas of sin are you working on in your life right now? You should be able to answer that question. You should be able to answer that question. If you can't answer that question, what three areas of sin are you working on in your life right now? Then I would argue that you are not actually being honest with yourself because we've all got lots of stuff that we need to work on. John Calvin was a famous reformer. He was a major leader in the Middle Ages in the church. He said "True true wisdom consists in two things, knowledge of God and knowledge of self. And knowledge of God was most important, but knowledge of self was important as well because if you don't acknowledge you're a sinner, then you can never really acknowledge you need a savior. If you can't acknowledge that you're wounded, then you can't acknowledge that you need healing and that there's healing available. If you can't acknowledge that there's brokenness and insecurities and all sorts of junk that go on inside of you, then you can never bring yourself to the place where you're seeking God and seeking others for help and for healing. And that really is the hope in all of this, is that we are humble enough to acknowledge that we are all carrying something. We have been through tough childhoods. We have been through divorce. We have been through abuse, some of us. We have had horrible things said to us. We've been cut with words. Some of us have been hurt with with bats and with belts and awful things. We have been violated. We've been wounded. That stuff affects us. And we get saved and our sins are forgiven and the, the wounds don't heal instantly, necessarily. And unlike when my leg hurts and I go, well, if my leg hurts, it might go away on its own. But uh, if I, you know, a month goes by and it still hurts, I'll probably go to the doctor. With our inner stuff, we're just not nearly as in touch with that side of it. And so we have these wounds, we have these hurts, and they manifest in things like anger and in things like lust and in things like destructive behavior and broken relationships. It shows up all over the place. And we don't ever get to the point, a lot of us, where we say, hey, I, I need some help. Because here's the thing, in our sin and in our insecurities and in our brokenness and in our woundedness and in our baggage, there is healing available. There is freedom available. And when people come to me and they say, my marriage is struggling and it's been struggling for years or, or you know what, I, I know I'm insecure and I'm carrying this insecurities or there's this anger thing where I'm yelling at my kids all the time or I don't really have any friends because I just seem to push people away. These types of things come up all the time and I just want to say to everybody who says that, aren't you tired of feeling that way because there's freedom available? There is grace available. There is healing available. It was purchased for you. The gift is wrapped and sitting on your counter, but you got to go open it up. And you have to be willing to take a step towards your own healing. And that might mean saying, you know what? It's finally time to talk to a counselor. And I've been so excited the last year, the number of you who have come to us and said, I'm ready to talk to a counselor. My wife and I, we want to go talk to somebody. we got to work out some stuff. Or, you know what, I'm struggling with this sin and it's not really getting better. I want to talk to somebody. Even if it's just talking to a pastor. Even if it's just talking to a friend. But to be willing to be humble enough to say, hey, again, if my leg is hurt and it's not getting better, I know enough to go to the doctor. I know enough that I need to ask for help. When it comes to our inner stuff, we need to be humble enough to know that we need to ask for help sometimes. Sometimes our stuff does get better on its own. Sometimes we need some help, just like sometimes we need a doctor for our physical bodies. And so the inward journey, I think, is the toughest one. But honestly, I, if I want to be the husband that I want to be, if I want to be the parent that I want to be, the dad, if I want to be the leader that I want to be, I need to be someone who's dealing with his stuff. I need to be someone who's dealing with his stuff. And I would like us to be a church of people who over time are dealing with their stuff, who are acknowledging these things and getting whole and getting healthy. Because there is a lot of damage that we do to each other. There's a lot of damage that happens in the world when we are acting out of our brokenness and our sinfulness and our woundedness. And it's one thing to acknowledge it, but then you actually wanna get better, right? An alcoholic who says, I, my name is Chris and I'm alcoholic, I have a problem, but then who keeps on drinking isn't getting better. So to say, hey, my marriage is struggling, that's a great first step, but then you want it to get better. To say, I have insecurities, that's an amazing first step, but then you want it to get better. To say, I have an anger problem or a lust problem or a drinking problem or whatever, and I'm just choosing these things because they're very common. To, to, To acknowledge those things is a great first step, but it's not enough to just say, hey, I recognize that there's a problem here. Because then to go, okay, now what is next? What's the next step? Because there is grace and healing and freedom available. And it is so good. And it is so incredible. And we see people find these breakthroughs and these healings. And we just, we want that for everybody. Whatever you are carrying from your past, you do not need to carry that forever. Whatever wounds, whatever sin, whatever baggage, you don't need to carry that forever. There is grace available. And so we want to be growing and maturing inwardly. So as you look at 2020, what does that look like for you? Maybe it's saying, you know what? There's this sin in my life that's been there for a long time. 2020 is the year I target it and overcome it. This is the year that I'm dealing with that sin. Or maybe it's, you know what? The marriage has been struggling for a while. Uh, This is the year we're gonna go to a counselor. We're gonna, you know, like the sore leg, we're gonna acknowledge we need some help. We can't do this entirely on our own. Or maybe it's, hey, I recognize that I'm, I'm drinking a little too much or I'm struggling with this or that, so I'm gonna get an accountability partner to come alongside me and help me along this. Again, I can't decide it for you, but as you look at your heart, as you look at your mind, as you look at your sin, as you look at your past, as you look at your brokenness, what does that look like in 2020? Inwardly to go to the next level, to take some steps towards targeting, again, just one area where you're going to focus on with the Lord and move forward into maturity. Last one, outwardly. The last part of the great commandment is love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus doesn't say it in this particular telling of it, but in another gospel, Jesus says the second commandment is just like the first one. The first one is love God with everything you have. The second is just like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. They are two sides of the coin. One of the ways in which we love God is by loving other people. The Apostle John would say in one of his letters, actually, if you don't love your brother or sister well, then you might not love God as much as you think you do. Because the love of God always shows up in love for other people. We are to love our brothers and our sisters as ourselves. But we're not just to love our brothers and sisters, which is our our family and our church family. We are to love one another, of course. But we're also on a mission at the same time. Matthew 28, 19 and 20. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age, what we call the Great Commission, that Jesus has sent us out on a mission, and Jesus wants nothing less than the whole world. All nations, he wants. And his great strategy to do that is you. Congratulations. We are all on a mission, and this is an area we need to grow in as Meadowbrook Church, is is getting better at engaging in that mission. And someone asked the leadership in the fall, kind of, what's your church growth plan? And I think they maybe thought we were gonna say, well, here's a new program or whatever, but our answer, this isn't official, this was just my kind of off the cuff answer, was the church will grow when we all get better at doing this, when we all get better at doing this. And if we're thinking we're just gonna get a new program or a new staff person or a new worship style or a new kids ministry thing, and that's all of a sudden gonna explode into revival. It's like, no, revival will happen when we all get better at doing this. If every single one of us led one person to Jesus this year and not even led them to Jesus, maybe it's even just brought them to church so that they can meet Jesus, we would have so much growth we wouldn't know what to do with it, right? We'd be adding 14 different services if we started growing at that rate. As we get better at pointing people to Jesus and inviting them to participate in the life of God that's here at Meadowbrook, we will grow. And so we recognize this is an area we do need to grow in as a church. This is an area that that is not as strong as some of our other areas. But the the call to love one another is not just to love our brothers and sisters, but to look outside the walls of the church. And so we are starting to do that more and more. Uh, Even the surplus idea at the end of the year, last year, of we're gonna give our surplus away. We're not gonna keep it for ourselves because we wanna engage outside the walls of the church more and more. So we are to love our neighbors, we're to love the lost, and then there's this really annoying one that Jesus threw in as well, that we're to love our enemies as well. And the parable of the Good Samaritan is one example of that, that Jesus teaches on, is that we are to love even our enemies. That it doesn't just stop with the people who like us and who we like. It doesn't stop with the, the lost and hurting in this world, who we are to reach out to. Even our enemies, we are to love them. And so as we process that one, maybe that is part of a next step for 2020 and next level. Maybe there's someone you need to reach out to. Maybe there's a relationship that you need to reconcile. And maybe that's part of it. This year, I'm gonna pray into that and I'm gonna take some steps. It's not on you to fix it because that takes two people to engage. You can't control what the other person does, but you're responsible for yourself. You're responsible for your steps. So maybe that's part of it for you. And so we are to love our brothers and sisters as ourselves. We are to love the lost world around us and reach out to them. And we're to love even our enemies. As we come into the new year, the number one resolution by far is always, I'm gonna lose some weight. Every year, that's the number one resolution. I'm gonna join the gym, I'm gonna go six times a week, and I'm never eating a carb again. And statistically by February, we'll have, been, have abandoned all of that. We'll have, we'll have made a valiant effort and it's all fallen apart. But, you know, we're all coming out of Christmas eating and, and we're all sugared up and, and have been eating junk for a week or two. Uh, and so it's all right, new start, fresh year, excited salads. We're getting back to, to normal life. But as we do that, and that's a great resolution, we have made some goals in our house along those lines for sure. Um, The gym can't lose the weight for you, right? It's there, or or just outside, you know, going for a walk or a run or whatever. It can't lose the weight for you. It's there, but you actually have to go there. Your Bible, if your goal is to go deeper in the Bible this year, if that's your next level goal for your upward connection, that's amazing. It can't read itself to you. You need to take a step. You need to carve out the time. If, if your goal is, you know what, I want to look outwardly more, and so I want to get involved in the community somewhere. Or I want to serve in my church somewhere. I'm not serving anywhere, so I want to serve others, so it's not all about me. Uh, that's great, but you actually have to take a step now to do that. So all the resolutions, all the goals, all the plans are amazing, but then you actually have to take the steps to do the work. The gym won't lose the weight for you. It is there, but you actually have to step up you actually have to do something. So as we look at these three things, as we look at the upward, inward, and outward thing. Upward, our, our walk with God, our connection to Him. Inward, dealing with our stuff and getting healthy there. Outward, looking to our church family, looking to the world around us, looking even to our enemies. The challenge as we start 2020 together is, uh, in each of these three areas, pick just one thing. Don't worry about the 20 things you need to work on. Pick one thing prayerfully where you say, in my walk with God, I'm gonna focus on this in 2020. In dealing with my junk, I'm gonna focus on this in 2020. In looking to others outside of myself, I'm gonna focus on this in 2020. And then start to make some concrete steps. Okay, so if I'm gonna go deeper in my Bible, then I'm gonna get a Bible plan, I'm gonna maybe get some accountability, or I'm gonna get a partner to do with this. Again, you need to figure out that part for yourself. But to say, I don't wanna be in the same spot this weekend in 2021 as I'm in today. I want to be more mature. I want to be deeper with Jesus. I want to grow in my walk with Him. I want to grow in my relationship with others. I want to grow in my marriage or or focus on more time with my kids. I want to get involved in the world who doesn't know Jesus because I'm spending all my time in church maybe, and I want to start stretching out beyond that. Again, there's a, a world of possibilities of what you could jump into at this time, but these three things need to work together. Because if all I'm focused on is my walk with Jesus, the upward motion, then I might never deal with my stuff or never care about anybody else. And a lot of Christians do that. You can get stuck there. Some of us, it's the opposite. We're so outward focused. We're serving. We're at every committee. We're in every life group and Bible study. And we're always looking at what we can do for others and how we can serve others that we never deal with the inward stuff. We never deal with our junk. We never get healthier in that way or we can get so focused on the inward stuff that we just become really self-involved and it's all about us and how i was wronged and what i went through and we never take a step towards loving others these three have to work together they are not one or the other there are three things that all work together we all need to grow in all of them and i think for most of us there's probably uh, one or maybe even two that we maybe lean to a little more than the other ones and we're trying to find a a balance here. So one target in each of the three areas, that is the challenge. In 2020, what will it take to go to the next level upwardly, to go to the next level inwardly, and to go to the next level outwardly? And I'm going to encourage you over the next week, maybe, as you think about it, as you pray about it, to write it down somewhere, just so it's clear. I'm going to encourage you to share it with at least one person, just so there's some accountability there. And then I'm going to encourage you to check in with it from time to time throughout the year, just to say, hey, how am I doing in this thing that I'm working on? I share this with you today uh, because we're looking at a brand new year together and, and you are looking at me as potentially your lead pastor for good, and I'm looking at you as our church home for good. This is the journey that I'm on myself. I am wanting to go deeper upwardly. I'm wanting to go deeper inwardly. I'm wanting to go deeper outwardly. So it is my challenge to you, as as you look at that for yourself, it is also my invitation for you to say, let's do this together. Let's grow in Jesus together. Let us challenge one another and encourage one another and pray for one another. Let us walk this walk together because none of us are doing this by ourselves. We are doing this as a family. We are doing this as Meadowbrook Church and we will grow and mature as we do this together. Would you stand with me to your feet, please? Just in the interest of time, we cut short our closing song. So I am just gonna pray as we get ready to wrap up. There will be people at the front to pray for you afterwards. If you need prayer for anything, maybe that's a good step for 2020. That just, I wanna more regularly ask for prayer from other people. There is a beautiful humility that happens when we just ask a brother or sister to pray for us. So they will be at the front. They will be ready to pray for you. So please take advantage of that. If you're not gonna pray, I'm gonna encourage you just to move outside and do your visiting out there just so this can be a place of prayer in here. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, uh, we pray, Lord, as we look ahead now to 2020, as we look at that blank canvas, Lord, you know where everyone here is at. You know where they're at upwardly, where they're at inwardly, where they're at outwardly. So Holy Spirit, I pray now in Jesus' name that every other voice would be silenced, every distraction, everything that would pull us in ways that we shouldn't go would be shut down in the name of Jesus. That this week as we meditate on these things, maybe as we talk about them with other people, it would just be so clear to each person, Lord, what that target is for this year. You who formed us and made us, you who know us better than we know ourselves, and you know who you who know where you want to take each one of us lord Just give us one target for each of these areas that you are going to walk with us in. As we say, Lord, we want to grow. We want to mature. We want to be more like you, Jesus. We want to go deeper with you. We want to take things to the next level this year. So Holy Spirit, we invite you now. Come and speak. Come and make clear. And Lord, where you are leading, may you also release the power to live it out, in Jesus' name. That we would not do this on our own, but that you would give us the strength to walk out what you are calling us to in 2020 as individuals and as Meadowbrook Church. And we pray for 2020 at Meadowbrook, Lord, that you would open the heavens in Jesus' name, that you would pour out your spirit in Jesus' name, that your presence would be so thick here, Lord, that we would encounter you in ways that are real and that are tangible. We would hear your voice, Lord God. We would see your signs, Lord God. We would go deeper in your word, deeper in the Holy Spirit, deeper in our understanding of you, deeper in our bonds with each other, that you would pull us together as a church more and more, Lord, and that you would lead us in the mission that you have called us to at Meadowbrook Church in Leamington, Ontario in 2020 AD, and the fullness of everything that you have for the destiny of this place. We give it all to you and we say, let your kingdom come and let your will be done here. And we pray all of this together in Jesus' name, amen. Amen, God bless you. Thank you for being here. Come on forward
1: for prayer. We'd love to pray for you this morning.